Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. Welcome to the fourth in a set of six podcasts about fiber properties. Today we're going to take a deep dive into the chemistry, the internal morphology of fibers and learn about this thing called polymers. We're still talking about the properties of fibers and so far we've been looking at the surface but we now need to take a dive deep into the fiber itself down to the molecular level the level of molecules in order to talk about the chemistry of the molecules that make up the fiber. This is so important and one of the things that excites me so much about teaching textiles. We live in a world now surrounded by synthetic materials that we call plastics without actually really generally thinking about or understanding how they work. And this is, a, I think, a deep oversight to deprive people of an understanding of the basic nature of materials that they're encountering in their everyday life. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, we don't necessarily have a basic understanding of, of wood either, right? Well, wood has grain, wood is flammable, wood comes from trees, you can carve wood. Uh, if you chop wood up into to little chips, right, you can glue it back together and make Ikea furniture, right? So we, we have some sense of how wood works. And in the same way, we have some sense of how plastics work, right? You can melt them, um, that you can make various textures with them. But in the case of these materials, this was really one of the first times that, that we as, as human beings actually became the alchemists that we'd imagined ourselves to be. Um, I, I'm not saying I love plastic. I'm just saying that I can see it as a, a, the conclusion of, of one certain direction of human achievement in chemistry. Of course, human achievement in chemistry owes so much to textiles, right? Uh, the textile industry required basic chemistry to, uh, to develop dyeing techniques, finishing techniques. Uh, during the Industrial Revolution in the United Kingdom, uh, there was a, a huge push to understand why textiles that were imported from India, which had a, a, a very long-standing and ancient tradition of dye arts, um, how they were doing this, right? We were encountering colors and techniques we had never seen before coming out of this, you know, much more ancient civilization. And uh, so we were eager to replicate it. Of course, uh, I say we, but just put ourselves in the minds just for a moment of, of people trapped on this small, windy, wet, cold little island in the middle of, well, not the middle, but, the, you know, off the shore of, of the European continent. And uh, how could they ever hope to be able to replicate the, the grandeur and beauty of the dye stuffs of, of India? They had to turn to chemistry to do it. And so the invention of synthetic dyes, the invention of uh, synthetic molecules, uh, Mercer was, uh, we, we'll talk later about mercerization when we talk about uh, 
uh, cotton, but uh, John Mercer was a was a amateur uh, chemist who worked in the textile industry and basically discovered all of the elements when we look at it in his notebook. He has the periodic table all mapped out. Uh, he just didn't publish it. And so the, the credit for that goes to Mendeleev. But but the gist of it is, is that he was a, a worker in a dye house. And, and so um, textiles really is at the heart of our, our modern chemical industry. So um, if I get excited about the chemistry part of this, um, yes, please. Uh, I love chemistry. Chemistry is this amazing dance between molecules at a level we can't see with our eyes. We can only imagine in our minds. And I love imagining beautiful things. I love building a beautiful palace of molecules in my mind. So we're going to talk about the chemistry of fibers. I know you may not have the same passion I do, but, uh, but please trust me, uh, for someone who's passionate about chemistry, this is one of the best parts of this conversation. We, we want to know the chemical nature of a fiber, first of all, because it's actually how we legally define fibers. So when I say later that such and such is not a legally allowed name for a fiber, because in, in uh, this case in the United States, it's true, right? The Federal Trade Commission was developed to, to prevent people from lying about what fibers were made out of, specifically rayon manufacturers from lying that they were making something called silk. Uh, it was the chemistry of the material that actually told us whether or not they were lying or telling the truth, right? So, so we could say, ah, this is made from polymers of protein. This is made from polymers of cellulose. Protein is a silk-based fiber. Uh, rayon is a cellulose-based fiber. Therefore, right, with a simple chemical test, we could determine who was telling the truth. So all of the generic names for fibers in the United States are governed by federal law, the Federal Trade Commission. Lying about them is something that will uh, allow the federal government to sue you. And when we talk about rayon, I'll explain uh, how that actually happened recently and the tiny little way that I was able to help in that because um, I very much dislike unethical behavior, including lying about a fiber. My goodness. Um, and uh, so we can do these simple chemical tests to tell us what uh, the material is composed of and then that tells us the name of the fiber. Now uh, one of the things that uh, I'll introduce briefly is this idea that certain molecules that make up fibers are active, they're really interested in doing chemistry, and others are inert. And in fact some of the inert ones I'm not even really going to teach you about very much at all. I might make a special podcast about Kevlar and Nomex, the aramids for example. Wonderful at not bursting into flames. Well, they don't burst into flames because they're so boring. They don't even want to do chemistry with fire, right? Um, they're so wrapped up in each other that even shooting a bullet at them won't stop them from just looking at each other and saying, wow, we can't dye them. We can't do anything with them. Really boring. I mean, unless you're on fire or being shot at, right? And even then, kind of, you want the boring result of not being on fire or not being shot. So inert, boring laying there, not burning, not having a color, not doing chemistry. Compare that with a molecule like glucose, which in the form of a polymer, the cellulose polymer, is so interested in doing chemistry. It hasn't met a water molecule it doesn't love, it loves dyes. It's really exciting and excited about chemistry. 
Uh, now, I am not going to delve too much into the molecular nature of most polymers. I mentioned glucose because it's something I know that we're familiar with. But in many cases, I'll save that for uh, graduate level work or for another day. But I can tell you that we live on the planet Earth, which has carbon-based life forms, which means that uh, uh, natural uh, fibers, fibers that are in the fiber form in nature, almost invariably have a carbon-carbon backbone, except for mineral fibers. So silica, right, um, which actually is, doesn't come in fiber form in nature, but we can make it into fiberglass, or um, asbestos, which is in fiber form in nature. Um, those are not carbon-carbon based, but everything else comes from a plant, comes from an animal. Hello, welcome to Earth. We are carbon life forms. Even synthetic materials used to be carbon life forms, right? Used to be plush uh, forests and uh, uh, that were crushed under um, a millennia of pressure to be turned into hydrocarbons. So carbon, carbon is the base of everything we're talking about here. And then we just have some frippery on top of these molecules, uh, nitrogens, um, uh, sulfurs, uh, hydroxy groups, hydrogen groups, right? Um, all of that just to make it uh, fun and beautiful and different. Now, I've introduced this idea of the polymer, and so I really want you to lock this in your mind. We have these molecules that can do this really cool thing, which is they can form a long or longish chain of themselves, and we call it a polymer because polymer because poly means many, right? So uh, polygamy means many wives in this case. Polyandry would be many husbands. Uh, polyamorous meaning you know many lovers, right? So um, poly means many, and then the mer is the basic molecular unit. I like to think of the mer because mer is a word for the sea, and right? I like to think of the mer as beautiful pearl. In the past, when I've given this lecture, I've talked about uh, maybe the Madonna video, Cherish, right? And how you could picture a, a merman coming up out of the sea with ropes of pearls, and then he opens his hand, and there's one beautiful pearl. Happened to currently be playing Animal Crossing, and we just had the undersea update. And so, actually, now I'm picturing myself coming out of the sea with one gorgeous pearl in my hand, knowing that if I can find the DIY for it, I could string all those pearls together and make a pearl necklace. So, the myrrh is the pearl, the polymer is the pearl necklace, all of the pearls strung together. Now, in most cases, the myrrh is identical, a pearl, a pearl, a pearl, a pearl. But in the case of certain molecule uh, polymers, like um, protein fibers, we may actually have several different myrrhs because we've got a host of amino acids, right? So in that case, it might be more like a, a diamond, a topaz, a ruby, a sapphire, a diamond, a topaz, a ruby, a sapphire, right? So they're all beautiful gemstones. They're just subtly different. And that's part of what makes protein fibers so wacky, so fun right because we have that little kind of mix it up that the myrrh can be a little bit different depending on you know is a carnit uh not carnitine is a glutamine is it um I'm trying to think no oh, i think carnitine is amino acid i know it's a supplement hmm. right in bodybuilders i so didn't mean that um but but you get the idea if you're looking at that shelf in the grocery store with the l whatever right those are all different varieties of amino acids so we can string those myrrhs together to make a polymer. 
Now, depending on on the conditions uh, in nature, nature uses uh, enzymes, which are kind of like cool little um, factories that can string together the MERS into the polymers, hooking them together perfectly like a, a, a fabulous tiny little micro train yard that just hooks all the little MERS together into one big long train. Um, and uh, so nature can make polymers that are pretty long. But if we just put glucose in a glass and, and try to make a polymer out of it, you, you can actually do this as an experiment in organic chemistry, make rayon. It turns out that without the help of those enzymes, we can't make polymers that are very long. So cotton may have 10,000 glucose molecules in it, but rayon made in a beaker in a chemistry lab or even in a chemical manufacturing facility can only manage to get about 350 mers into that polymer. The shorter the polymer, the weaker it is, the less abrasion resistant it is, the resulting fiber, and the um, more elongation and absorbency the resulting fiber has. And I want you to think about this just for a minute. So we have a, a certain amount of space and it's being taken up, right? So it's a given volume of fiber and it's being taken up by stacks of polymers laying on top of each other like long pieces of wood, right? And in the case of a manufactured fiber where we control the chemistry, we can make a polymer that theoretically is endless, right? We could have a fiber that was made up of stacks of wood that are as long as the fiber itself. So incredibly tall trees all being stacked up. Let's say we have a stack of 10 of them, right? And they're, they're perfectly shaped in size. They all match each other. They stack up perfectly. You can crunch them in really tightly. And if you, if you were to have two um, big, uh, those logging claw things grab either end of this stack of wood and pull, they literally have to rip those trees apart right, to, to break apart this stack. But now picture uh, the same distance, right, the same uh, channel filled with short, flimsy sticks, 350 polymer long sticks, right, uh, merlong polymers of sticks. So we throw these sticks in there, they're kind of jumbled around, right, because they're sort of short, so some stick up, some lay down, uh, some are diagonal, right, all these tiny little sticks. There's tons of room in there for air, for moisture, right? Um, so when it comes to things like absorbency, right? If we were to pull on either end of this stack, we could pull it apart. It would elongate easily. But if we were to try and use it for anything, like to, you know, um, grab it as a whole and pick it up and do anything with it, it would droop and it would fall apart. Spray it with some water and it would break apart very easily. Rayon is a fabulously absorbent material. It's wonderful for things like maxi pads, tampons, diapers. Uh, we use it as a flame retardant slurry that we can spray on the roofs of houses. But strong? Mm -mm. Comparing it to a tree? <laughs> no fair, right? It is just not the same. So we have some good things about these very short polymers, like absorbency and elongation, but we have some downsides, like lack of strength and lack of abrasion resistance. You rub it a little bit, it breaks apart because it's all just made of tiny, short little sticks. Even 10,000 isn't gonna be as long and strong as something that was manufactured. So all of that is the first part of what I want you to understand about what we think about if we think about fibers on the molecular level, right? Strings of pearls, stacks of sticks, 
and how they might behave a little bit differently, right? Why we can make a table out of synthetic polymers, but we don't make a table out of cotton. Well, I guess technically you can make a table out of cardboard, right? Um, you can make a table out of wood, but we don't make a table out of dollar bills, which are made out of cotton. Next time, we're gonna talk about um, another way, another uh, factor inside those fibers that are influenced by the arrangement of the polymers, which I've already hinted at just a bit. Mm -hmm.